Are you thirsty for him this morning? Thanks for those two yeses. <laughs> Come on. If you have your Bibles here this morning, you can open up with me in Hebrews uh, chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. And I want to r- read from, from verse 11. We're going to move on t- into chapter 6 as well. Are you guys ready for this? (laughs) We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Is that the right one? Um, uh, Different translation. Okay, let's read you on the board. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. Verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Verse 14. But solid food is for those that mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. It's quite a mouthful, and I want to actually read very similar that it, it actually says in, in verse 11, you do not understand because you, you do not try to understand. You do not try to understand. And he goes on um, saying that, you know, you ought to be teachers by now, but you are actually those that still need to be taught. You're still stuck in the milk and not the solid food. And recently I felt God speak to me about maturity and for a church to be mature. And I spoke to the other elders, and I, hey guys, this is what I feel God is saying to us. And it was such a, a sense of, yes, God wants us to mature. And yesterday I sent a quick video on the group, hey guys, there's something that we're going to start this morning that I feel will take us into the more of God. And I feel the only way we're going to get into the more of God is actually if we grow up, if we mature, if we move from the milk to the solid food, you know. And, and, and that's, that's my heart this morning, is, is spiritual maturity. Who, who of you this morning feel like you are spiritually mature? It's one of those catch-22 questions, right? <laughs> Let me rephrase that question. Who of you feel like you can still mature a bit more spiritually? There we go. Also a rhetorical question. <laughs> and the author in, in, in Hebrews, he says, you no longer try to understand. And that's why sometimes we, we come to church, we attend as much as possible, but we get stuck. We feel like we're not growing anymore. Uh, have you felt that before? Where you feel like, man, I'm not growing anymore. Maybe I should go to another church. Is it, possibly, is it possible that you actually are not trying to understand anymore? <laughs> I'm just asking a question here. Because it can be that we attend, but we're not hearing. And the Bible speaks about ever hearing and not perceiving. So you're hearing one ear in, other way out, and it's nothing really sticks. You know what I mean? And, and it's just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not being fed, those type of things. It, it's really a sign of you're still stuck in milk. And as a church, I want to call us into a place of maturity to try to understand. And if you're grappling with certain things, okay, I'm not going to disregard it because it's difficult. I'm actually going to embrace it, like waving a flag in church, praying in tongues, praying for a healing, praying for this. The way we do church can be sometimes struggle. It can be a struggle, man. But are we trying to understand? Are we actually grabbing hold of God's word and like the reading, man, I want to I wanna learn. I want to learn. I want to grow. Is there still an urgency in our hearts to learn? Or are we in a, uh, I, I can't learn anymore. It, it, uh, does that make sense? Man, we should have that in our hearts. And he mentions the elementary truths. Have you ever heard that before? He mentions the elementary truths in Hebrews chapter 6 that we're going to get into now. And that's what we're going to start with today is actually the elementary truths. And the author in Hebrews actually says that those elementary truths of our faith is actually the milk. 
It's actually the milk. It's, it's kind of like, okay, guys, this is the starting point. You guys are still stuck with that. But now you should have been teachers of that. You should have taken that message of the elementary truths and teach and taught others, actually. But now you guys are still stuck with that, and we're not maturing. And I'm not speaking about age here. I'm speaking spiritual maturity. You can be seven years old and be on milk. You can be 16 years old and you can eat steak spiritually. All right? Where are you? What are you eating? And it's important that we, we, we grapple with these things because sometimes we, we, we look at these elementary truths that we're going to look at now and we think, no, that's the steak. But, but actually, no, no, no. The Bible says that's the, the milk and we need to move on from that so that we can grow into the things of God. Okay. And I, and, and I want to say this, that, and, and I've been there, even, even just God speaking to me about the elementary truths and uh, the, the basic um, principle of, of, of maturing, I read through the scripture and I was like, oh my goodness, this is like, I need to actually read this properly. Because what happens is we compare ourselves with the standard of the world, right? We do. We look at the world and we think, okay, I'm not that bad. So we think, I'm on stake. I'm on stake. But actually, if we compare ourselves with Jesus' standard, we actually need to realize there's a big possibility that I'm still on milk. And I need to grab hold of the truths to grow into eating steak and being a teacher of his word, actually. Right. So don't compare yourself with the world and think you are mature. Compare yourself to Jesus to, to, to really determine whether you are mature or not. Right. And you can go both ways. You can think too highly of yourselves and you know, no, I'm, I don't need, you know, what I, whatever I was going to say this morning, I've, I've done that. I've got that. And, and it might be the truth, but let's make sure that we are teachable, we're humble, and also you can go to the other side, again, no, I'm, I'm still on milk. But actually, no, no, man, you've been eating steak for the last couple of years. Just be secure in your, in your maturity. So it can go both ways. It's not always just the prideful side. It is sometimes the, the what, what's the opposite of that? False security, false humility, you know, so just let God speak to you this morning. And each person is different. Did you realize that? It doesn't take much to, you know, quickly look around. Each person is different. Some more different than others. <laughs> Not looking to anyone specific. <laughs> well, <no>, I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to look at my notes. But each person is different. <laughs> I'm looking at Peter. <laughs> but isn't this the truth that even in the natural, we're all different? And this morning, I actually want to illustrate something quickly. Got a a bottle of milk, and for many of us, this is what we actually live on spiritually, and we think this is going to actually grow us up. And and here's the thing, Peter. I mean, do you do you, you wouldn't eat this day in day out, right? Bottle of milk, full cream, on special at Spar. <laughs> but for many of us, we're actually living of this. But it wouldn't make sense to, to eat that daily, right? <sighs> nice piece of juicy rump steak. Can anyone, anyone want it? <laughs> My wife, oh yeah, yeah, I'll give it to you. <laughs> In the natural, let, let's, let's be serious. Where's Amelie? Is Amelie here? I'm not, I'm not gonna give this to to Emily. How old is she now? Five months. I mean, let's be real here. It's not gonna work. It doesn't make sense, right? Emily is gonna drink this, and Peter is gonna eat this, the steak, right? I know some of the the gym guys. You'll prefer like a protein shake in this milk, right? And <laughs> where's Yaku? I saw you looking at the, this milk all the time. <laughs> but in a natural, it just makes sense that the adults would eat steak and the babies would drink milk. And when you grow up as a baby, 
I'm not going to put this piece of steak on your plate on the age of two. Uh, we're going we're gonna to grow you into it. You know, but uh, man, we can't keep you at milk for the rest of your life. We can't keep you there. At some stage, you need to actually grow up to eat steak and to actually what the Bible says, by now you should have been teachers of the elementary truths. You should have been those eating of steak and teaching the milk to others. So where are you? What are you eating on? Spiritually. Are you still stuck in milk? Or are you actually developing and growing up to, to get to the steak? And listen, we know this, is, this can be a mountain in front of you if you're not used to it. So we're going to give you small bits and we're going to let us grow up to become mature, to become those that, that eat steak, so that we can become a people that when God looks at us, looks at us He sees a perfect people, actually, a mature people, comparing to Him, not to, to the world. And that's what I want us to grow into this morning. So here's the thing, and I'm going to get to elementary truths now. It's quite an introduction to the next couple of weeks. But a healthy church, a healthy church is a place where we're actually going to share this every week. We're going to share this message every week. We're not literally going to do it. But our hearts, we're going to share this message of, guys, we need to get to the stage. We're going to grow up. Because only when Jesus comes back, then we will be fully perfect. But also, a healthy church is a church where new people come in all the time. Where people get saved all the time. And it's important because if we're going to just be a church where everyone is on stake, there's no space for anyone new, no space for anyone to get saved, I mean, yes, we're going to have a lot of stakes, but we're not going to fulfill the role of being teachers of the milk. So a healthy church is a place where everyone grabs hold of this vision of okay, whenever someone walks into this hall, whenever one, someone gets saved, I'm going to be that person teaching them about God's Word, about what needs to happen now. It's not just the elders' responsibilities to teach people the ways of God. It's all of us together. Does that make sense? And a healthy church is where every person is active. That's how hard we're 412 that we are a part of. Every person is active in this church. A while ago, I was, I was, quite, I was quite impressed, I must say, being humble here. Yeah? I was impressed with you guys, honestly. I really was. We had a baptism a while ago at my dad's place, my, my parents' place. And I remember I, I, I had this moment where I was standing there at the baptism. I was looking at the group of people that were there. And everyone was praying for the person that got baptized. And I didn't do anything. I literally, I, I almost feel convicted. I was like, okay, well, yeah, come on, man, be involved. <laughs> but I was standing on the, in the sense on the outside of that group. And people were praying and prophesying and, and taking photos. And just going wild for God. And man, I loved it. And that was you guys that did it. It wasn't the guy who leads the congregation that did everything. And I had the moment of, man, I, f I feel like us as believers, we're getting to the stake here, actually. And we're doing well. And that's when the church becomes active. When I hear about coffees throughout the week and discipling one another, grab, grabbing hold of God's word. Hey, you need to get baptized. And man, I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you about a baptism. And next week I'll baptize you. And, and that's like, People with, with full-time jobs doing that, taking an hour of their lunch, like, hey, can I grab you for a coffee? And we speak about God's Word and we, we, because we want to grow. Man, I'm hoping I'm stirring a hunger in you, yeah. Not for the natural steak, yeah, but for the things of God. Let's move on. <laughs> so I want to I wanna look, at, look at the elementary truth this morning. But I need you to notice, what I'm going to read now is the milk. Okay, I had to read through it. I'm like, whoa, do I, actually, do I actually live this? Do I actually believe that this is like foundational? And God wants to build with us. So let's look at the elementary truths. And we're going to start with one or two of them this morning. In Hebrews 6. So just after that passage of, okay, guys, you, you shouldn't get stuck in the elementary, elementary truths. You need to go on to the stake. Hebrews 6. Can you guys see past me here? 
I'm just keeping you fresh here. So we need to <laughs> Hebrews 6, verse 1 and 2. So he just finished with Hebrews 5 saying, listen, you guys need to grow up and um, get to the solid foods. And then, and then he goes on and says, therefore, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Just keep that up. Whoa, oh yeah, but you're spending time on elementary teachings here. He said, leave it. Right? And I want to say, listen, I'm not convinced that all of us are on maturity and go on to maturity. We're not on that level yet. I mean, all of us, like you just recognize yourself, we all need to get more mature. I need to get more mature. When I say you, I'm part of that you. We all need to get more mature. So in order to do that, let's just quickly look at the milk again. It's like we, we actually should go on from this. That's what he's saying. But before we just rush on and thinking everyone got the milk, let's just make sure we've got the milk. And then we move on to the steak. Is that all right? And this morning we're going to give you the milk and we're going to give you the steak. All right. So now, now he explains what are those elementary truths? What are those elementary teachings? So you, the first one is laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death. And we're going to share a bit on that now. But the first one is repentance from acts that lead to death. So repentance of dead works. And we're going to teach a bit on that this morning, actually. But this is milk. I mean, for, for many of us, like, I don't even know what that means. I, I actually, honestly, I, I actually had to look at it quite hard, and I needed did, did some research and just searched the scriptures. Okay, Lord, what do you actually mean with this? It's like, whoa, that's a mouthful, you know? It's milk, guys. It's like, that's Amelie's food. We need to move past, past this to the stakes. And what, what are those stakes? So let's move on. Repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God. That's the second one. Instruction about baptisms. There you go. Laying on of hands. I mean, guys, I'm excited for this teaching, actually. <laughs> I'm running ahead, that's next weekend, but I'm getting you here next weekend again. But baptisms, laying on of hands. I mean, guys, these are milk. And for me, honestly, I had to, like, laying on of hands is kind of the, that thing that you see people do, but you don't really know why. Like, response to, for prayer and, okay, guys, let's go and lay hands on him. Why do we do that? Because everyone's doing it? No, there's a reason for it, and we're going to look at it. Resurrection of the dead. That's milk. Hectic, eh? Eternal judgment. (laughs) I'm just giving you scripture, guys. This is milk. And we need to grab hold of these truths. Look at what God says so that we can grow on to maturity. Because when Jesus comes back on that last day, man, my heart is as a church, we can present ourselves to God and say, there's a pure and spotless bride, a mature church, not a, a milk church. Let's be honest. That would be quite disappointing. And man, we need to grow up into the things of God. So we're going to jump into this on the first thing. And I actually asked Paul to come and share something briefly on, on this, on repentance of dead works and faith in God. And uh, we, we, we want to start off with this, this, in a sense, this milk and then I want to lead us into steak this morning as well, which I'm going to share on after Paul shared with, uh, with us. Yeah, so um, I, I was just thinking, even as, as you were preaching, why, um, just to give an example, and I mean, we all... You know what the problem is for us uh, in, in hearing, you know, we, we read the elementary truths and these, here they are, and great, and go. But the point that the writer of Hebrews is making, man, you should have been teachers by now. So there's a, there should have been a, a point where you go from hearing to teaching. Now, it, it does, he's not saying, <laughs> like all of you guys should grab the mic and teach. He's saying there should be a, a, a making disciples. You, you should have been, like, teaching these things to someone else. At least like over a coffee, over a conversation, 
in a little group on a Sunday. There should have been a, uh, whatever God has placed in me, I, I start to teach it, right? And to give like, uh, you know the sound guys and AV guys, all, all the, you know, we've been training a lot of people. I remember for me, when I started doing sound a couple of years, way back actually, there was a guy that said, okay, listen, sit next to me. This is what you do, you know, you place this thing here. This is, you know, this cable is called this and this cable is called this and you, you do all this. And I was like, okay, cool, I've got it. He, he just taught me. And then the next Sunday, he was like, okay, so now you do it. And I sit there, and I go blank. I'm like, uh, well, uh, I, I, I don't remember anything. Like, I, I, you taught me, but I just don't remember any, everything, anything, actually. But as he then, like, okay, well, you do that now. He, there was a sense of, as I did it, it started becoming more clear. And yeah, by the second and third time, it became second nature. Like, okay, I know what to do, right? And it's the same with us in this. You know, the teachings of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. It's cool to hear it, but the moment I act upon it and in a some sense teach someone, lead someone to Jesus, it becomes more clear. You, you start to refine what you say, how to say it. You know, people, people have asked me, hey, man, how, do you, like, how do you know so much about the Bible or stuff like that? Honestly, it, it's not that I studied real hard. I just kind of started to speak about the Bible. I just started answering questions. Looking back at when I was in school, some of the answers I gave to some people's questions, I just shake my head. I'm like, what? Uh, I can't believe God hasn't killed me yet just after what I said, you know? It's almost like it was that. But I told someone once, listen, he, he said, I want to read the book of Revelation. I'm like, that's the best decision you can make. But just skip the first three chapters. They're boring. Nothing is happening there. I told this guy this. Luckily, he's still saved. But, I mean, most... Most of Revelation, of what we take out of it for us as a church, is in the first three chapters. And I kind of, that's bad advice. Don't do that. But I learned, right? And there was something, of, just do it, man. I want to encourage you in, in this coming season, just do it. Just step out. Just speak to someone about something. You'll find that God is gracious. Now, be, you know, be smart and change and try and study. But, man, just do it. Don't wait. Don't be scared of answering a question. Don't be scared... Now the, the, the thing I hear the most is, I I'm afraid to evangelize because what if someone asks me a question I don't know how to answer? Just do it. And that's the point. So we want to, you know, again, give them milk, but man, go, go forward. So I think a way we go forward is by just doing it, like Nike would say. And I want to say, don't shy away from controversy. Man, yeah, I actually, <laughs> I need to maybe shy away a bit because I love controversy, but don't be afraid of it. You know, the resurrection of the dead. We don't speak about it, right? You know, like, what's your end times view? Everyone goes like, oh, you can't say that over the mic. It's like a controversial thing. We, we had, like, dinner of some guys this week, and I asked, hey, wh what's your belief on the end times? We're too afraid to chat about it. Let's speak about it. What's your, what's your belief on baptism? What's your belief on the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What's your belief on laying in of hands? And, and speak about it and refine ourselves. So, firstly, on, can we read the, um, Hebrews 6? Again, uh, verse 2, I think, yeah, the way that we speak. Let me quickly recap on it, and then, um, yeah, you can go to verse 1. Sorry, my bad. So, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not again laying foundation of repentance and from, uh, from acts, of, you know, acts that lead to death and faith in God. So, three words that I quickly want to look at just to explain it. The first one would be repentance. The second one, dead works. Some uh, other translations would say just dead works and faith. If we can understand those three things in the scripture, I think we'll be well away. So firstly, repentance. This again, is like one of those icky words. It's very easy. I'm just going to run through some of these things as a, a recap because I'm sure all of you guys know this. Repentance is just turning 180 degrees in the way you live, in your actions. So it is, I was smoking, drinking, sleeping around. Now God calls me. Now I repent and turn away, leave all that. It's not, it's not a gradual, okay, I'll start, I, I turn away, 180 degrees. I leave that behind, and I, I, I turn away. I move in a different direction. It's not a slight, it's a, man, you need to repent. You need to stop doing something, and start doing something. That's easy, I'm not going to go too much in there. Second one, dead works. Now, for us to understand dead works, we need to quickly recap What's the whole point of Jesus coming to earth? So, in a nutshell, God created the heavens and the earth, and he gave us a choice. He gave us free will to decide, because all through the Bible, there's choices. God saying, 
here's life and death, choose life. You know, people make decisions, God punishes them for making a bad decision. People making good decisions, God gives them blessings for making good decisions. So decisions is all through the Bible. If you're not a robot, you can make a choice. God did not create robots, okay? Thank God. Paid <laughs> him to say that. No. Um, so God, so think of it. God wants a relationship with us. So he gives us a choice. If, so, if your wife loves you just because she has to, she doesn't have a say, is it really love? If, if I don't have the option to walk away, you know what? It's just I'm, I can't move. I just, I'm just here because I need to. But if I choose to stay in a relationship with them, and that's love, that I can choose to love you. So likewise, with us and God, He chooses to love us, but He gives us a choice. May I choose you to obey me or to disobey me? So that there's real love. God created Adam and Eve. He has one choice. You know, you can have everything. Just don't eat from that tree in the Garden of Eden. And then Satan comes and says, listen, if you eat from this tree, you'll be like God. You'll be able to know what's you know, good and wrong and bad. And they go like, oh, you know, if we eat from that tree, we can actually take our lives in our own hands. We can actually elevate ourselves. And they make a wrong choice, disobeying God, and send sin enters into the world. And even what that means is God gave Adam and Eve dominion. If you guys know what, who knows what that word means, dominion. So he made them, he basically made them the boss of the world, okay? So Adam and Eve, they've got rule and reign over the earth. And because of their disobedience, they basically gave their rule over to Satan. They submitted under Satan in that sense, and now Satan is ruler of this world. Okay? Yes, Jesus is king. I'm not joking. Yeah, yeah. Amen. So what, what that, uh, the reason I'm saying that is, ever since then, everything that humanity has done has been trying to get back to God, trying to, to some extent, this this tug of war between my own desires and God's desires. And if, you know, that dead works that we speak about in Hebrews 6, we can read it in Hebrews 9, we find a clue of what that means. And while, while they get it, oh, here we go. For, for if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and of the ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And what he's saying, that you can just leave that, what he's saying, ever since the fall, people have, they, we had to pay in some extent. We had to, like, there's rules, there's regulations, there was the law. But without Jesus, it was dead. Without Jesus, it didn't mean anything. It couldn't, it couldn't really pay for our, our sins. So to give an, a, a definition for dead works, dead works is anything that is without faith in God, anything that is without Jesus in it. And dead works is not just, uh, dead works not just for your salvation, and you can be a Christian and still do dead works, right? You can make a good decision without faith without wanting to please God, and it's a dead work. And we need to repent. We need to turn away from our dead works towards faith in God. It's going to make more sense as I unpack faith quickly. So faith, what is, what is faith? So firstly, there's, there's a sense of, now faith is su such a difficult thing. I can't give you like a one-liner definition, and you can, you, you can, but there's so many things, there's so many aspects of it. But what we can do is we can look at the people of faith in the Bible and see what they did, and start to give, get a definition of faith. So let's quickly run through Hebrews 11. Let's see if he, if he, if he gets it. Um, is it on? Oh, here we go. And, f and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Do you see that without faith, it's impossible to please God? So I want to say, if you think, if you have this job and you do not have faith in that job, you, you, you don't have, you're not doing it in faith, it is actually impossible to please God there. That is a dead work. It's like, we don't want to hear that. Now, I'm not saying quit your job and go find a job where you do have faith, but get faith. Get faith for where you're at. And if you can't find faith, find faith somewhere. 
can we read Hebrews uh, 11 verse 1? I want to read from the start there. Oh, here we go. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For, it, for by it the people of old received their commend commendation. So I, I read a different translation before. Um, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that were visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. Now, I just, I don't want to read further than that, actually. Ma so what happens here, faith and Abel, ba uh, faith and Abel, Cain and Abel, Abel and Cain both gave God an offering, right? But Abel's offering was pleasing to God because there was faith involved. So you can bring your best to God if there's no faith, if you don't believe that God has spoken. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Now that does not mean read your Bible loudly and then you've got faith. Because what about the people in China that don't have Bibles? Do they just not have faith? No, but it's from hearing God speaking to you about a certain thing and you start to have faith. Give an illustration of that a while ago. I actually, I drove into Langenhoven Park and I felt, I just had this sense of God speaking to me that I need to move here. And I had faith in it, in it and I knew if I was going to stay where I stayed, I'm going to sin. Because my faith is now that God has spoken to me to move to Langenhoven Park. But if I have moved and God did not speak, I could very well have been sinning, doing a dead work. Now, I'm not saying you can't do anything without hearing from God, you've got wisdom and so, but if God speaks, if there's faith, you need to go. So I, so I know there's like a lot of things. This is, this is the challenge for us as we move from milk to solid food. It, it's like, I don't know how to, this is a lot of things. Uh, uh, I don't know how to process this. What about this verse? What about that? And Dean is like, <laughs> so to quickly recap, we need to repent. We all need to repent. We need to turn away from our own desires and following God. And what do we turn away from? Dead works, trying to save ourselves, trying to do it ourselves. Now, it's like the law. Man, if I, if I sacrifice this lamb, then I'm forgiven. No, you need to turn away from that and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Accept that what He did is enough. Have faith in what He did. Believe in Him. Now, and there's a sense of, man, I've got assurance of what Jesus did was enough. That is faith. When you can wake up in the morning and go, I know what Jesus did was enough. I've got faith in it. And without faith, it's impossible impossible to please God. We need to have faith in it with everything. I know this is challenging because I know there's a lot, I'm actually making more questions for some of you, but what about this? What about my job? I don't like my job. Well, get faith. Man, pray. Ask God, God, give me faith for this. Now, it speaks about Abraham that God told him to go to a land that he hasn't seen and through faith he went. He hasn't seen the promised land, but he's got faith. I know God has spoken. I'm going to go there and God's going to make the way. Interestingly enough, Abraham did not see, he did not live in the promised land as Joshua and those guys did. But he still had faith it's going to be one day. Now for you, man, have faith. What has God called you to? Turn away from dead works. Turn away from trying to do it in your own power. Maybe God has spoken to you, man, I want you to be a leader. Act on that faith. Maybe you want to be a leader and you're trying and you're trying to. You could have very well have a good desire that is dead works. Ask God, what does he want for you? And respond on that. And allow him to come and give you faith in the moment. Just because it's a good thing, you know, it doesn't mean we need to. Has God given me the faith to do it? I'll finish there. You can go on. That's very good, Paul. Thanks. And even just on, on that, you know, there's a thing in, in, in uh, our church culture where we always feel like God needs to send us somewhere, right? But actually, what if God wants you to stay and to find faith in that? Even to find faith in staying, you know what I mean? And so it's very, very good. Just in a, in a sense, we are scratching some surfaces here this morning. And I want to move on to what does solid food look like when it comes to repentance um, and faith in God. And, and I, I want to say that 
I think if as a sign of understanding this properly is that you are evangelizing. A sign of you are understanding repentance and faith in God properly that is that you are actually reaching out to others with the message of Jesus. And that's, the, in a sense, the solid food. I'm sure there's other solid foods when it comes to this. But one of the solid foods when it comes to this is that you are evangelizing. You are telling other people about Jesus. Because what you have re- received and experienced, you want to let others um, have that as well. And what we are not, we're not saying that repentance and faith is not so important. Let's move on from that. Please don't hear that. It's vitally important. Without this, you can't be a Christian. But in a sense, we need to move on to the solid food. And to illustrate that, we live in an area where they are developing quite a bit. And across our home, they are developing a little, what do you call it, a complex of houses, about 10 or 11 houses. And next to that, on the other corner, they're also developing a complex there, so they're developing quite a bit. And interesting, the one that started first, they started like months ago. And they were working hard, laying foundations, starting with a couple of bricks, and, and suddenly it just, it just stopped. As if the money dried up, or I don't know what happened there. But it just stopped for months now. It just, they just stopped building there. And in the meanwhile, across, across to them, they started to build a new complex there, and you know, laid some foundations, and suddenly the walls came up, and they're actually on the roof right now. And so now I'm looking at these two complexes, and I'm like, man, if I had to choose one, I'm going to choose that one, you know, with the roof that's going up. I'm not going to choose that one. Yeah, obvious, it's obvious, right? And when it comes to this, and moving on t- from solid to solid food, it, we can really see the repentance and faith and all the others as the foundation of our faith. It's the foundation of our relationship with God. It's vitally important. Without the foundation, you, got, you cannot build a house. But a house without, just with a foundation is not a house. No one wants to build, uh, live in an unfinished house. A- am I right? So surely we need to make sure we've got the foundation in place and we need to build and become a place where God actually wants to dwell. And that's, that's our heart. So in Acts 22, I'm briefly going to share a little bit on, on what does it mean to evangelize. And we're going to la- land it there for this morning. So in Acts 22, it says that you, which is you, me and you, us, will be his witnesses, Jesus' witnesses, to all men of what you have seen and heard. And it's not just you need to just evangelize to men. That's not what he's saying. It's like a people, you know, a people group. It's like everyone, you know what I mean? So when you will be my witnesses to everyone on what you have seen and heard. All right? So what have you seen and heard about Jesus in your life? Have your life changed because of Jesus? If that's the case, man, God is calling us to be His witnesses of that to everyone. And a witness, he basically explained, is someone that, that, that shares what he has seen and heard and experienced. And that we should have a message on our hearts of Jesus that we want to share with everyone. And that's basically evangelizing. And he didn't say, listen, you're going to, you're going to share a theology class to everyone in this world. He said, he said you're going to share about me, what you have seen and heard about me. Man, so you've got a story. If you are here this morning and you're a Christian, you've got a story. You've got a story. You've got a testimony. Who of you have been walking with Jesus for longer than five years? Just quickly raise your hand. Who of you have been walking with Jesus for less than a year? Quickly, one or two of you. Awesome, man. That is amazing. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't, you're not really sure. If, uh, am I walking with Jesus? I'm, I'm not sure. Man, why not start today? But if you are walking with Jesus as a Christian, you've got a testimony. You've got a story to tell to others that's not walking with Jesus. And your story doesn't have to be this incredible, man, I've been an ex-drug addict. I've been such a bad guy, but, you know, and it's like, wow, it's like an amazing story. 
Sometimes it's just, man, I was unsaved. I needed Jesus. I was on my way to hell. I needed Jesus in my life, and I'm actually sharing my story right now. I didn't do drugs. I was kind of a nice guy. When people looked at me at school, they probably thought, yeah, this guy is probably saved. I, I attended church most Sundays. Did my homework in Sunday school and everything of that, man. But I was unsaved. I didn't have a relationship with God. There was no life in me. I looked at other Christians, and I was like, there's something different about them. They've got life. I'm doing the Christian thing, but there's no life in me. And I still did it without the life for years. And one day I just realized, man, I don't have what these guys have. I don't have it. I can't fool myself here and you know, put on a face and like, no, no, I've, I've, I'm a Christian. In my heart, I, I, I knew I, I don't have a living relationship with God. And one day, man, I was just, man, Lord, I, I need you. I surrendered my life to you. And my life changed completely. I was still a nice person after that, hopefully. And that's my story. That was, what, what is that, like a minute? Not bad, eh? We've got a story to tell. Doesn't matter what your life was, you know, doesn't matter the, the way you lived before you met Jesus. But he was the, if you were the nicest person on, on the planet, or the, I don't know what you call, the worst person on the planet, so to speak, if you don't know Jesus, you're going to the same place. Man, and we've got to answer as Christians, we've got to answer, and that's Jesus. That prayed for our sins on the cross, like Paul just shared. And we need to put our faith in him. Doesn't matter what your life was like. His arm is not too short to save. And that's the message that we should be telling others. All right. And I want to say that we need to make space. And actually, we, we are making space in faith. By just creating more space. But we need, I, I love it. I'm on most WhatsApp groups, if you didn't, didn't realize that. And I'm on, and I, I can see people inviting friends, people inviting family, and people are just reaching out, and I loved it. I love it. I love to see how people are just inviting people. Honestly, I love it. And I mean, there's most Sundays there's new people here, and I'm like, in a sense, I've, uh, sorry if I ask you, are you new? And you're like, no, that's my third time here. Sorry about that. Because it is, it's, it's amazing to see just people coming, man. But here's the thing that I want to challenge us with. If you, if you invite someone to church that's not a Christian, why not share the gospel with him in the week? Why not share, that, share it with that person over a coffee in the week? And I mean, you, it's great to invite people to church because yeah, you will hear the gospel and we will build our lives around Jesus. And you can have that confidence to invite anyone to come and hear about Jesus. But I also want to say that you can do that in a week as well. Sometimes we can miss a moment by inviting people to church. Can I explain that? Maybe you, you like your Henry, for example, the optometrist, you know, in the, in the workplace, and, and there's someone that sits there with the thing on the eyes or whatever, and, um, <laughs> and she has in half an hour of an opportunity to share Jesus actually with that person and to do an excellent job as well, but to share the main thing to advance the kingdom of God. So she's looking for opportunities. If there's a conversation looking like it's going to Jesus, she's there. She's looking for opportunities. And sometimes there's a moment where the Holy Spirit touches that person in that moment and it's clear that that person is like, man, I actually need Jesus. And now you've got an opportunity, you've got a moment to share, to lead that person to Jesus. And we don't know what to do. Okay, well, um, come to church on Sunday. I mean, we should be doing that as well. And then that person goes home, you know, the Holy Spirit leaves, and it's like, I don't know if I really want to be a Christian. And that person doesn't come to church, and, and we, we miss the moment. And we, as God's people, need to be bold enough to, in that moment, Say, hey, let's pray right now. Can I, can, I, can I lead you to Christ right now? And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah that would be amazing. And that person responds 
become a Christian, and then you should be going, okay, you need to come to church on Sunday. But don't miss the moments. Be bold enough to embrace it. Amen? Are you guys still all right? Man. Romans 1, verse 16. It says this. Um, is it on the board? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Honestly, I've been ashamed of the gospel. I'm, I'm, I'm repenting. I've been ashamed of the gospel. I've had moments where I can share the gospel, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that. What if it doesn't work? And it's not like, and there's fear of man that comes in, and you're just like, I was ashamed of the gospel many times, actually. And I need, man, come on, Aya, do not be ashamed of the gospel. Because there's a reason, actually. This is it. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, that what Paul shared about Jesus dying for us on the cross, this is the power of God for everyone who believes. Did I say that right? The power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So man, you don't have to worry about your eloquent words, by your presentation. You can just rely on Jesus' message. That's, that's the power of God. All right? If you don't know what to say, it's okay. Just share Jesus' message with the, the person in front of you. So we should be ready. We should be ready. Are you guys ready? If I ask you right now, Okay, guys, there's a paper on your chair, underneath your chair. There's not, don't worry. But let's say there's a paper underneath your chair with a pen, a black pen, or, or a blue one, doesn't matter. And I'll ask you, guys, quickly write down the gospel on that paper. Just write down the, the good news. Just write down, it's not a test, but just write, write it down. What's the message of Jesus? I'm sure most of us will get, get it, like, fairly right, like, basically, you know, what Paul shared. And in a sense, you've, you've got the message of Jesus on this paper. Most of us will get it more or less right. Okay, guys, you, you're saying you're ready? Just throw that paper there in, in the dustbin. There's a group of people out there that needs Jesus. They are unsaved. They don't know Jesus. Let's go and share the gospel with them. Go. You're probably going to, like, I hope there's someone else going because I uh, uh, and I'm sure Peter and his cell, they will go. But I'll just tag along. You know? And sometimes we should be tagging along to learn. But you should be carrying the message as well. So we should be ready. We should be ready. 1 Peter 3 verse 15. Listen to this. This is beautiful. But in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who ask you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. If someone comes up to you, hey, wh wh why are you so different? Why are you, it just seems like you've got hope in your life. It just seems, there's something different on you. You can't go like, no, I'm not going to tell you, I'm on holiday now. <laughs> Honestly, I'm a pastor and, and, and I've, I've had challenges like that. You, you laugh because, I mean, uh, when I'm on holiday, I ignore people. I'm an introvert. So I'm, I'm like, if I don't have to speak to anyone, I'm, I'm quite happy with that. And, and then I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. So always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that's in you. Always. Prepare something in your heart. Like when someone asks me, why are you like this? Have something ready to share. You can shoot, shoot from the hip as well, that's, that's great. But have something, man. Be prepared. When you're in university, in your class, be different. Not weird, be different. And then when they ask, be ready to share. Does it make sense? 2 Timothy 4 verse 2, I'm going to land soon. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and on holidays. <laughs> be prepared in season and in the middle of your exam. Be, be prepared in season and at your workplace where you don't feel like it. 
be ready, man. Be prepared. Be prepared. Preach the word of God. Don't Bible bash them. You know, you need to be wise and build relationships. And, but sometimes through the relationships, they ask you, hey, man, what, what, what do you think about God? Like Theo shared this morning in, the, in a car with his brother and you know, this topic of God comes up. Be prepared. If he wasn't prepared, he probably is like, no, we can speak about it the other, other day. Yeah? And he would, would have missed the moment. Be prepared. So I, I want to really stir something in us about evangelism. I want to. And I want us to become practical, to, to, to really get practical about the gospel. You know, I don't, I'm not sure how many people we are. Let's say 90 or 80 or whatever. Let's say each one of you go out this week and share the message of Jesus with one person. All right? That's like, let's say conservatively 80 people. 80 people should be hearing the gospel this week. 80 people. I think it's a, it's a bit unrealistic to think all 80 will respond and like, yeah, I'm there, I'm, I'm, I'm in. And, you know? Let's say 10% of them like, really meets Jesus this week. There should be about 10 people coming in every week. There should be about 10 people every week that gets added to us. And this is not unbiblical. I mean, in the Bible, it, it, they were added daily. They were added daily that those who were being saved. Not by the pastor preaching on a Sunday, but by every saint, every believer going out in the week, being ready in and out of season with the message of Jesus, being bold to lead them into a response of surrendering their lives to God. And they were added daily, those who were being saved. Acts 2. And that's what, we, that's what we want, man. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's why we're making space. We're making space. It's very uncomfortable to stand on, on the stage and preach. I, I, I love it down there. But man, we're making space. Because if God adds people, we want to be ready. And he's going to add people through us going out. I mean, it's not the amazing preaching. I, I'm sure you've realized that, right? But amazing work. It's really about the saints going out and evangelizing. That's how the church is built. So I want, I want to give a, a few practical examples how you can go out and evangelize. You will need to write your story down, firstly. You will need to write your testimony down. If you don't have your testimony on a paper, if you've never wrote it down on a paper, today is the day where you go, go back home, find a piece of paper or your phone if you are more, more like the digital guy. Write down your testimony. Honestly, write down your testimony. Start from the beginning. Okay, I was born on this day. You can do that if you want to. But write down, I was once this guy. If you are a Christian this morning, I was once this guy, and I met Jesus in this way, and this is how he changed my life. And you write it down. You can use two papers as well if you want to. You need to write your testimony down. Okay? Secondly, you will need to have a two-minute version of your testimony as well as a 20-minute version of your testimony. All right. I gave you a one-minute one. But if you go for a coffee, I'll give you an hour one. You're going to have to order another coffee. I'm prepared. I'm ready. So whatever the occasion demands, I, I, I can, I can, I'm ready. So in Johannes' workplace, for example, she can't, okay, let, you've got an hour, right? Let's, let's, uh, let me share your, it's not going to get to you testing eyes or whatever, you know? It's like, I've got, I've got a minute, actually. And so we need to take our testimony that we wrote down and then vocally actually train ourselves to have a two-minute version and a 20-minute version. Ready. Challenging, right? And thirdly, share the gospel. Don't just invite them to church. <laughs> share the gospel. Don't just invite them to church. Invite them to church as well. But also share the gospel. Be bold to share the gospel. Ask the question, do you know Jesus? When did you meet Jesus? How did you meet Jesus? Ask those questions. And can I say this? 
Don't assume everyone in Bloom is a Christian. Especially in Bloom. In Cape Town, it's kind of, it's quite obvious, you know. But in Bloom, sometimes we think, just because he's a nice guy like I was, he's probably a Christian. Ask the questions, when did you meet Jesus? Just because we grow, we grew up in a, in a, in a, in a morally more accepted environment or a Christian culture, doesn't mean this guy is a born-again believer that surrendered his life to Jesus. Ask the questions. Are you guys still with me? I'm very practical, right? My fourth point, find the hook. Find the hook. Now, I'm, I'm sure you are with the fishing uh, hobby. is like, yes, oh yeah, that's good, eh? Find the hook. It's like, the fish should find the hook, Johan. <laughs> and what, I, what do I mean with that? Listen to what people are saying and find the hook. Find the doorway in to bring Jesus in. So if I have a conversation with someone and I pick up, man, it's clear that this guy doesn't have hope for his future. He's quite anxious actually about his future. And I don't know what God is. Uh, he's not a Christian. Let's say he's not a Christian. I, I, I'm quite, in, quite anxious about what's going to happen with my life one day. I don't know what future, I, you know, I have, whatever. That's a hook. So now you go like, man, I think I know what you're talking about. I, I was like that as well one, once. I remember actually as a student, not knowing what I'm, what I'm going to do with my life. I was quite anxious. But man, something incredible happened to me. I met Jesus. Can I tell you quickly how I met Jesus? And, 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 I'll, and I'll tell him about how I met Jesus. And suddenly, my life was changed. My life was changed 180 degrees. I had a hope for my future, actually. Because I knew when Jesus is coming back, I'm going to spend eternity with him. So I know when I die today, I'm going to be in heaven with him forever. I don't have to worry about my life anymore. Yes, I'm take, I take it seriously, but I don't have to worry about it anymore. Because I surrendered my life to him. I'm a Christian now. And do you want that as well? Can I pray for you that you, that you experience that as well? You don't have to go through what you're going through now. That was a minute. Finding the hook, being bold enough to share the gospel. That was, you can elaborate depending on time and all that. Does it make sense? So find the hook, share the gospel boldly. And then my last practical point is be bold. Be bold, man. Be bold. I don't know how to elaborate on this. Just be bold, man. Don't worry about what people think. This morning I shared with someone, you know, I've invited many people to church and like one out of ten will come. That's going to happen. If you share the message of Jesus with someone, if you're an evangelist, you'll probably get eight out of ten. But if you're me, you're probably going to get like one out of twenty. But I'm bold. And I'm going to step out because I'm a, God called me to be a witness. God called me to advance his kingdom. My life is not my own anymore. My life is his. And whatever he asked me to do, I do. So he asked me to be a witness. I'm a witness. That's my calling for my life. I'm not, I'm not called to build my career. I'm called to advance his kingdom. And that's all of our responsibility, not just those in the church. You know. If you're a Christian, that's, that's the mandate. So I'm bold. And I ask questions. And with boldness, very practically, sometimes, I'm going to finish with this, really. <laughs> sometimes we can share Jesus with someone about how Jesus changed my life. This is what he did for me. And then you just leave it there. And then the other person is, wow, that, that is so, that's amazing. That is, that is so inspiring. Thanks for sharing that. that, is, that I've never heard a story like that. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. God is so good at eh? Maybe you should come to church on Sunday. You, you're, missing, you're busy missing a moment there. If that guy's responding fairly all right, you should be going like, man, it's for you as well. Do you want it? So throw out the invitation. Do you want it? It's not just for Sundays, it's for now. 
Salvation is for now. Do you know where you're going if you die today? I know. I know. Do you know? And that's how you fill out the invitation. And then you're like, I'm not sure. Let me, let, you lead them to Christ. Let's pray quickly. And you do a basic prayer. Lord, and it's just repeat after me because sometimes people don't know how to pray if they're not a Christian. You, you need to know that. Don't assume. Okay, pray with me. Lord, I, I surrender my life today. Just pray quickly. Yeah, go. Out, out loud, yes. No, no, out loud. Now I'm, I'm praying my heart. No, no, you need to pray it out loud. Okay, Lord, today I'm surrendering my life to you. Lord, I ask that you'll forgive me of my sins. Lord, today I'm accepting you as my Lord and Savior. And I pray that you'll fill me with your spirit. Boom, 10 seconds. And we trust that Jesus saved him right there. And then we walk it out with him. You need to get baptized. You need to join a proper church. And we walk it out with you, alongside you. That's how people grow up. Amen? I'm hoping, to ch I'm, hoping I'm challenging some of us a bit this morning.